year, the phrase and the word of the Lord to us was, uh, stay the course. And when the Lord spoke that to me, I wanted to cry because it meant keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> but thank God that ended last night at 12. <laughs> and it's time for a new year. Amen. You know, uh, before I get into the passage and explain what God just did without Thelma even knowing it, or you even knowing it, um, I'm very excited to bring to you the thought and the phrase for this year. The Lord made it very clear to me. There's been a lot of different, there's one time, it was excellence. There's always God has given me a theme for the year, and it's always panned out. Last year was stay the course, and that's, that's what we did. But I am very excited to tell you that the Lord gave me uh, just a few words, and you're going to love it because it's open-ended. Are you ready? This is our year. This is our year for our Rehoboth. This is our year of harvest. This is our year of breakthrough. This is our year of miracles. Blessed be the name of the Lord Almighty God. In heaven, this is our year. And a doubt in my mind, as sure as I tell you, this is our year. And it's not just December 2023. I believe it starts now. This is our year. Woo! This is the word of the Lord. Woo! <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Praise God. Yes, amen. While you're standing, just keep standing if you would. And I'm going to read the other uh, passage. I'm, I'm starting a new series today. It's God First. God First. Today is God First in Worship. And uh, we're going to give God the first day of our year in worship. Thank you for sitting in the middle sections. I really appreciate it. It just, it just helps in a lot of different ways. Um, uh, the, the title of the message is This is Our Year. <laughs> it's the theme for the year. You mark it down. This is our year. They're going to come in by the droves. Ain't that right, Sister Doxy? Amen. They're coming. Our Rehoboth, I can't wait to see where it is and where we're going to land. God's already working things out on the backside of things like you couldn't believe. God is working things in preparation. And I'm telling you, I know it. I'm not just saying it's not hyperbole. It is our time. It's time. It's time. It's time. Lord and God, it's time. Woo! So I'm excited. Well, here's a passage of Scripture for the message, this is our year, is going to look very familiar to you because you just heard it. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. Let me just tell you what God just did. Thelma didn't know what I was preaching and I didn't know what she was going to do. She came to me right before. She said, hey, somebody told me this was your passage. I'll just do a different passage. No, 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 no. That's what God gave you. That's what we want. Anytime in the Bible God speaks something twice, it is settled and done. God just spoke this passage twice in this service without either of us knowing. That means what I'm about to preach to you, it is settled and it is done. Anybody receive that? Amen. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about and behold there were very many on the surface of the valley and lo they were very dry. He said to me, "Son of man, can these bones live?" And I answered, "Oh Lord God, you know." <laughs> Listen, if God ever asks you a question, just say, "Oh God, you know." 
Because he's not looking for information. He's trying to teach you and I something. Amen. I like what Ezekiel did. He says, oh, Lord, I, you know, I don't know. You, you got it. Again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God of these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you that, they may, that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow back on you and cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive. And you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. We just sang about it. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked. And behold, sinews were on them. And flesh grew and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. And say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may come to life. Remember, we talked about the wind last week or two weeks ago and how it's a, rep- it's a representative of the Holy Spirit and the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Let me just say this too. Let me go back to verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. You could say bridge of hope. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves, my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. I will bring you into your Rehoboth, Bridge of Hope. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves. Glory to God, my people. I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life. And I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. I'm telling you, if you have missed any of the messages in December or today, if you're not here watching, you need to go back and watch them. This is a very prophetic season that we're in right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, God, for the, for the double message of this passage. It is done and it is settled. I thank you for the word of the Lord that this is our year. And I know, God, it is our year in a, in a wide gamut of things. Things we've been praying for. Children we've been praying to be saved. Grandchildren we've been believing for to be saved. Health and healing miracles that would astound doctors to say that it can't be done. God, we've been believing for our Rehoboth, God, and the funds and, and, the, way, and the harvest, God, to, to reach them, Father God, and the, and the thousands upon thousands that we want to reach. The community, God, we've been believing to be placed in, to turn it upside down for your glory. God, I thank you for everything we believe you for personally and corporately. It is done. This is our year. I thank you for this. And I ask God for the next few moments, you will anoint me, that you will arrest our attention, that we will receive the word of the Lord today as if it's already done. God, anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. And God, will give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Let none of these words fall to the ground. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Hold your Bibles in whatever form you have, and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, 
and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five two or three people and say, this is our year. Come on, somebody. Say, this is our year. Come on, shout it one more time. This is our year. Amateur golfers play, and they get what's called a mulligan. Mulligan means that sometimes they play, and they say, you get a free mulligan per nine. That means you hit a really raunchy shot. If you're a pro, you got to play it. If you're an amateur, you say, you know what? I think I'm going to drop my ball, another one, and I'm just going to do a do-over. I'm going to hit a mulligan. And it counts as a free shot for amateurs. And A New Year's is God's gift of a mulligan to our lives. New Year's is a fresh opportunity to start fresh and new. As a matter of fact, God built into our calendar every 12 months an opportunity to reflect, to make positive changes to our lives, whether it be spiritually, physically, emotionally, in whatever way. We're very familiar that New Year's resolutions are common and plentiful. As a matter of fact, on the cusp of New Year's 2015, some eight years ago, a simple Google search of the term New Year's resolution turned up more than 65 million articles, blogs, sites, etc. dedicated to the subject. I think I saw a stat recently that said only about 6% of New Year's resolutions are actually carried out. About 94 go down the toilet. Here are some New Year's resolutions that have been said. I, I just pulled a few for you. I, I love them. Jonathan Edwards said, Resolution 1, I will live for God. Resolution 2, if no one else does, I still will. I love that. Zig Ziglar said, look back in forgiveness, forward in hope, down in comparison, and up, or down in compassion, excuse me, and up with gratitude. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, write it on your heart that every day is the best day in the year. Amen. I love, my favorite one I ran across was this one. Author unknown, he said, dear God, my prayer for this new year is a fat bank account and a thin body. Please don't mix these up like you did this year. My New Year's resolution for 2023 is I will believe God, I will believe anything is possible with God. I will believe anything is possible with God. I'm not going to believe duct tape faith. I'm not going to believe for just enough. I'm going to believe God big. I'm talking big. We're about to walk through our Red Sea, amen? Why? Because Luke 137, Jesus speaking, said, for nothing is impossible with God. Excuse me, it wasn't Jesus, it was Gabriel. For nothing is impossible with God. The angel that stands at the beck and call of God Almighty says, nothing. Poke your neighbor and say, nothing. Not the doctor's diagnosis, not the fact that we don't have a building, nothing. Not the fact that we don't have enough money for what they're telling us for the buildings. Out. I don't care about all that. Not nothing will be impossible. Not how lost your little Johnny is, not how big your problems are at work, not your boss, nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that? When you do something possible and you accomplish it, then you get the credit. But when God gives you something impossible to do and he does it, he looks good. And I want to tell you that Jesus wants to do the impossible through us. 
Because I've come to find that the person with big dreams is bigger than the person with facts. Because the fact may say, the doctor may say, hey, you've got this sickness. Here's the diagnosis. He may put a disease on you. He may whatever and say this and that. But the truth says, you are healed. The fact may say you don't have enough money to do what God has called you to do. And all them big things I preached about a few weeks ago, man, I, we don't have money for all that. You can't, we can't, and all this, that, and the other. But the truth says God will meet our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The fact is that, that we have problems in this earth, but the truth is we serve a big God. Man, somebody shout amen. The facts are real, but the truth is greater than the facts. So as we kick off 2023 today, here on the first day of the year, you may have entered this year with some significant situations. And that leads me to point number one, and that is this. Things seem dead. You may be in here and have an air of your life that you think seems dead. Maybe you think, well, we've just been out here in this wilderness for so long now, I don't guess we'll ever get a building in a community. Or you may think, well, I've been praying all this long and it ain't happened yet. Things seem dead. Look at Ezekiel 37, 1 through 3. God set him down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. You ever been there? You ever been to a place in your life where it seemed like every area of your life you look and it just seems like it's full of dead bones? It's like you can't find one area where you get hope. It just seems like nothing is going right. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been where you cast an eye back at your life, and you look over the past months, maybe even year or two, and look back and see, well, that looks like that died there, and this looks full of dead bones here. I don't even want to think about that. That ain't just about bones everywhere. It's just bones, bones, bones. Have you ever been there before? And then the enemy starts whispering and exasperates how bad those drawn bones look. How hopeless that situation is. Am I the only one who's ever been there before? Have you been there? Okay. I know you have problems, and I have problems, and our church has problems. But none of us have been ever presented with the impossibility Ezekiel was. One man, a graveyard with nothing but bones. And God is speaking to him saying, can these live? And if I'm Ezekiel, I'm looking at this saying, is this a trick question? Because it ain't looking good. Maybe you have some graveyards in your life. Maybe today your marriage seems dead. Maybe your finances seem dead and hopeless. Your career is fading and boy, it, 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 your job is hanging on by thread. Maybe your health seems gone. Maybe the doctors have put a death curse on you. Maybe your loved ones seem lost forever. And no matter how much you pray and seek God, nothing seems to change. So what do you do when Jesus tells us nothing is impossible to him who believes and you have prayed and you have fasted and you've declared the word of God, you've done everything you know to do, you've believed with all your heart and you know the scriptures, but you look at your life and it sure seems pretty impossible up till now. Oh, what do you do with that? What do you do when God says in Matthew 19, 26, Looking at them, Jesus said to them, with people this is impossible, but with God all things are what? What do you do when you look at your situation and it looks impossible, and God's standing over here saying, that ain't impossible for me. <laughs> Impossibilities is where I begin. 
And the more you fast, and the more you pray, and the more you believe, it sure seems impossible. What do you do when it just seems dead? Do you keep believing? Do you keep staring out at your valley of dry bones and dead bones and graves everywhere you see in your life? All the areas of your life that seem hopeless. Do you stand there and just succumb to that? Or do you somehow believe? What do you do when you've done everything you know to do? One thing you do is you remember what the Word says. And can I remind you of a very important fact? That the greatest victory in humankind happened in a graveyard when Jesus Christ defeated death, hell, and the grave and walked out of that tomb. Oh, to those disciples, to those Roman soldiers, to those Pharisees, to all the world, it seemed like it was gone. And God on the third day said, you ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) And he defeated death, hell, and the grave. As a matter of fact, I've come to find that God does his best work when you look at your life and it seems hopeless. That's when God steps in and does a miracle. Because guess who gets all the glory? Somebody shout amen. Your greatest victory comes when it seems like everything around you is dead. Your dream has failed. Your vision is gone. There is nothing left. You don't even have fumes in the tank. You feel like it's gone. It is so easy to lose our joy in the low places. It's human nature. We've got to get to the place where we don't lose our joy when the hand of the Lord takes us to a place we don't like. Because it was God who took Ezekiel to this low place. There's so much that we're blaming on the devil when sometimes it may be God puts you in the situation. Show me that in the scriptures. Okay, Ezekiel 37.1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and the devil brought me out. By the Antichrist and set me down in the middle of the valley? Wait a minute, wait a minute. If I'm in the will of God, he's only ever going to do good for me. He is going to do good for Ezekiel here. But he's putting him in a very uncomfortable place. The hand of the Lord was upon me and who? He, capitalized, who's he speaking of? God brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. You know, that's just not where I would want to go. When the hand of the Lord comes on me and the Spirit of the Lord grabs me up, I'm thinking Mount Everest. I'm thinking the mountaintop. I'm thinking this is going to be great. God says, no, we're going to a valley. And it's going to look hopeless. And there's going to be dead bones. And it's going to look like there ain't nowhere you, everywhere you go. And you, guess what? You're going, to, you're going to pray and it ain't going to change. And you're going to read your Bible and it ain't going to change for a while. Because I got my timing and I don't work on your timing. I was telling somebody before service, I said, you know, God's always on time. The song says, he's never early, but he's never late. He's always on time. I say, well, just once I'd like for him to be early. <laughs> Amen. Am I the only one? Maybe you're in a low place. Maybe you're in a valley of despair today. Maybe 2022 was a valley for you. Maybe 2021, 2020, maybe you've been in a valley for three or four years and it's been a tough place. Maybe you're there spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally, mentally, whatever it is. But you feel like you're in a valley and if you could get out of that valley, you'd get out. But it was God who put you in that valley. 
I want you to see this. God doesn't always put us on mountaintops. I was talking to my nephew this morning over breakfast, and I said, you know, we all love the mountaintops, but that's not where the fruit grows. You go to, say, to California, the fruit grows in the valleys. We love mountaintop experiences. We love shouting and running. We like bank accounts full, good doctor's reports, kids all doing good, marriage is great. We love those mountaintops. But I want to tell you the fruit doesn't grow on the mountain. It grows in the valley. When we get into a valley, the enemy wants to drop our joy. We need to refuse to let a sinner have more fun in their sin than we have in our righteousness in Christ Jesus. We need to declare every day the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's been a struggle for me over the last year or two. It's been tough. This has been a dreadful valley. And I, for one, bid 2022 goodbye. Don't ever want to see that again. We need to determine in 2023 that no matter what, we're going to walk in joy. Because this is our year. We're not going to let the devil dry us up in our low places or our graveyard. We're going to shout and joy anyways. It's easy to worship on the mountaintop. It's easy to worship when the desert's blooming. But can you stand in front of your graveyard full of bones and worship and praise God and joy anyways? There are two things you should do when things are drying up and falling apart. There are two things you should do when you're down to skin and bones and when it seems like you're not going to make it. When you're standing back at your life and it seems like it's just a graveyard full of dry bones. Number one, you need to pull your Bible out and begin to declare this is what the word of the Lord says to this circumstance. I see you circumstance, but here's what God says. I see you lost child, but here's what God says. I see the problem in the marriage, but here's what God says. I see the financial issue, but here's what God says. We need to read it. We need to declare it. We need to speak it, and we need to stand on it. Somebody say amen. And the second thing we need to do is pray. We need to pray in the morning. We need to pray in the afternoon. Well, our life becomes one big prayer meeting. You go to war in your graveyard. You go to war in your valley, in your low place. That's why you pray and fast for 21 days. Because you need a miracle. That's why. why, Pastor, why are we doing all 21 days of prayer and fasting in in January? Well, number one, we're putting God first. But number two, because we all got some issues that we need resolutions to. We need God to come through. If you're here and you need God, God to come through for you in some area. I want you to raise your hand up. Glory to God as all of us. We need God. Somebody say amen. We need to have the attitude. I'm going to pray this thing through until I get a shake up. Because God knows how to shake up our low place. (laughs) God knows how to shake us out of our valley. God knows how to shake our graveyard through prayer. God knows how to resurrect the dead. February the 24th, 2001, a one-year-old Canadian girl named Erica, one-year-old, ventured out the door without the mom noticing, got away, they couldn't find her. It's in Edmonton, Canada, February evening. Below zero, couldn't find her. The next morning they went out, sure enough, they thought, man, she's dead. There ain't no way she's froze to death. It's a one-year-old. The mom found little Erica, lifeless, stiff, body frozen, gone, just life gone. 
They called the hospital. The ambulance came. They got her to the hospital, and they treated her at the hospital and actually resuscitated her to the amazement of doctors, nurses, parents, everybody. There was no... Doctors gave Erica a clear diagnosis as if nothing happened. She found her one-year-old dead, frozen body in the snow the next morning, got back to the hospital, and she came back to life with not a sign or a problem. I want to tell you something. That's the kind of God we serve. I know what the doctor said, but I know what Dr. Jesus did. I know what the bill collector said, but I know what Jesus the provider did. Somebody say amen. And that leads me to point number two. When you're faced with a, a valley of dry bones, you get your eyes off those die, dead bones. Point number two is get your eyes off dead bones. Jesus said, no man having his hand to the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom. There ain't nothing to go back to. Look what Ezekiel 37, 4 through 7 says here. Again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. Listen, God said it's going to happen, and he's saying to us today, this is our year. What God was saying to Ezekiel is you've got a choice. You can keep looking at the dead bones and all the problems and all the diagnosis and everything that's gone wrong in your life, or you can look to me and start declaring the word of God. Now, Ezekiel looked at all of his situation, and he said, well, God, I guess I'm going to go your way. And when, when Ezekiel began to speak the word of the Lord to his graveyard full of bones, all of a sudden he began to hear something. Could it be that we haven't been hearing nothing because we ain't been speaking it? We've been speaking dead bones, dead this, dead that. I'm telling you, it's time we start speaking, thus says the word of the Lord. Every time the doctor says, this don't look good, say, this is my year. Every time the devil says, hey, this ain't looking good. Here, look at little Johnny. Uh-uh, this is my year. Oh, every time he says, look at this bone here. Say, I want to look at the word of the Lord because the word of the Lord trumps the dead bone and will cause it to rattle and come to life. Woo! Some of you have dead bones in your life. So the question is, are you going to focus on them or are you going to focus on what God said? Because it wasn't until Ezekiel chose to focus on what God said and speak and declare and agree with God that he heard a rattling and a shaking up. You may look back at your life and see dead bones everywhere, dead bones in marriage, children, everywhere. But God is saying in 2023, will you believe me? Will you declare the word of God? The only living thing, listen, in that valley of dry bones and dead bones was Ezekiel. The only living thing there was Ezekiel. I, I want you to catch this. You may be the very person that God has chosen to bring life to someone else that's dead. Pastor, I'm the only Christian where I work. I just really want you to pray to get me somewhere where there's all nothing but Christians. 
you may be the one God sent in there to be the instrument of revival for that workplace. Instead of looking at them dry bones saying, God, everybody else gets to have my friends. They all working with good, good Christian people. And these people cussing and they're drinking and they're doing all this stuff. And I can't stand another minute of it. And I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe start looking at it and say, God, I'm the light in this place. I'm the one living thing here sent by you to win them to Christ. Woo! I'm the revivalist. Glory to God. Well, pastor, you don't understand the street I live on. It's so bad. You may be the one that God put on that street to win your street to the Lord. Pastor, you don't understand how awful my family, they're a bunch of devils. You're the one God put in that family to be the light and win that family to the Lord. Someone say amen. Pastor, oh, I don't like where God put us in our Rehoboth. Oh, that's the other side of the tracks. Oh, that's so I don't like that district. Oh, why couldn't God put us here. Oh, I don't like that. Because they need the living thing to show up to the dead community to bring it back to life and see revival. We got to quit looking at dead bones and say, I'm the living thing. Wherever I go, I bring life. In Ezekiel, listen, God used the living thing. We are the living thing. Can you believe that God would use you to bring revival to someone, to somewhere? Do you have faith to believe God can resurrect dead bones in your graveyard? Our problem is we pray for rain and leave our umbrellas at home. It is funny. Because we don't really believe God will do it. When you study out the Hebrew, the Bible says God carried Ezekiel to the valley of dead bones. We already know God set Ezekiel there, but I want to show you how he set him there. Ezekiel 37.1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out. Everybody say carried me out. In the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. So we know, okay, God said, you know, God just picked him up. Come on, we're going to come over here. We'll set you down. I hope you like it. I'll be back in five years. Just hang in there. Uh-uh. The word here in the Hebrew means to be shot out. To spring forth. To be thrown out. God said, Ezekiel, I got a job for you. (laughs) And you mark my words. God's about to say, Bridge of Hope, I got a job for you. I think carried, you know, like a baby. Oh, come on, that little baby. We got to be careful. Uh-uh, that ain't what that means. God shot him out. 
You see, when God is ready for you and I to do something, sometimes he just throws us where he wants us to go. (laughs) You may not even know why you're there. You may not understand what is going on, but there is no telling where God is about to throw you, and there's no telling where God is about to throw Bridge of Hope Church. But rest assured, God is about to carry us and slam us down in a valley somewhere, and we're going to see that desert blossom to life. Why would God put us in a place that's already alive with life? He's putting us somewhere and he's going to put us somewhere that needs a church that will alter the community, that will see the crime rates go down, that will see souls saved, that will have the police walking around trying to get cats out of trees because there ain't no crime no more, where alcoholics are coming off the booze, where drug addicts are coming out, where the homeless are getting off the streets and having places to live, where people are serving God and the joy of the Lord reigns. I'm talking about life in a valley. Last year, the Lord gave me this passage. You'll remember Isaiah 54, 1 through 3. Shout for joy, O barren one. That sounds like Ezekiel in the grave and the, the dry bones. Child, break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you have. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman. In other words, you about to bear fruit. Enlarge the place of your tent. Get yourself ready. That's why I'm screaming. Please, start a small group. Start a small group. Get ready. There's a harvest coming. Stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Spare not. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your pegs. For you will spread abroad. To the right and to the left. And your descendants will possess nations. And will resettle the desolate cities. Spread abroad means to break through. To burst out like out of an enclosement or out of a womb. Sounds a whole lot like God carrying. Poof. I'm telling you. What God's about to do with us is going to be that fast. One phone call. And then it'll be one phone call to y'all say, hey, we going somewhere else Sunday. Y'all get ready. Here's the address. We'll see you in our new place. Amen. Do you believe it? I believe it. The 15-year-old youngster stood sheepishly before the headmaster of the Munich school who read him the riot act. He was censored for his lack of interest in his studies. And the headmaster said, you out of here. We're not dealing with you no more. Your presence in the class destroys the respect of the students. Leave our school. The youngster took an exam to enter the Swiss Federal Polytechnic School in Zurich, and he failed to pass. He entered another school, finished his training, applied for an assistantship in the Polytechnic. Again, he was rejected. He finally secured a position as a tutor for boys in a boarding house. Soon was fired. I mean, this dude's got bones everywhere. Finally, he managed to obtain a job in a patent office in Bern. From there, he began to get past his bones and all the failures and all the problems. And the man who compiled this string of failures was none other than the great mathematician and teacher Albert Einstein, who got shot out of a cannon and the rest is history. That's about to happen to some of us. And that leads me to point number three, which is my shortest point. We're about ready to worship. Point number three, don't mistake your battleground for a graveyard. If you hear nothing else in this message, I need you to focus on this point. Give me about two to three minutes and we're going to worship. 
Ezekiel 37, 1 through 2. Watch this. The Spirit of the Lord set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. Watch this. He calls me. I never noticed this before. He calls me to pass among them round about. Behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. I've never noticed that the bones weren't buried. The bones were not buried because God wasn't through with them. I said they were laid out on the surface of the valley, not six feet under. And the reason was is because God wasn't done with them bones yet. And I want to tell you, it has felt many times like we've been buried out here on the Indiana State Line in the middle of nowhere at 3 o'clock on a Sunday. But I'm going to tell you, we ain't been put under the ground. We've been laying on the surface of the ground. And I hear a rattling. I hear a roaring. I hear something about to shake and transpire. I hear something changing. God's about to cause these bones to live again. Somebody shout amen. I want to tell you because it's not a graveyard, folks. It's a battleground. I said our valley is not a graveyard. God did not send us here to die. He sent us here to resurrect, to raise up, to go forward, and to win the battle. Somebody shout amen. God will win the war. You will win your war, and Bridge of Hope will win our war. Woo! Because we're not in a graveyard, we're in a battleground. <laughs> That's why you're going to fast and pray for 21 days, because you're in a battle. That's why you praise and worship God all week long, but even when things don't look good, because you're in a battle. That's why you read your Bible daily. That's why you go through all these things, and you speak and declare the Word of God, and you pray morning, noon, and night, and it doesn't seem like it's doing any good. You do it anyways, because you're in a battle, and I hear the rattling, I hear the roar, and it's about to happen. But we don't need a wake-up call. We need a shake-up call. Woo! It's time to let your dead bones rattle. Woo! It's time to allow God to shake, rattle, and roll you right out of your graveyard. Because 2023 is our year. Best way I can finish this message. In 1948, some of you might remember it. Thomas Dewey had the president, presidential election all wrapped up. Everyone said it was done. The top political experts, according to a Newsweek poll, said Dewey had 100 more electoral votes than he needed to win. It was a done deal. Newspapers all across the country predicted a landslide victory for Dewey. Life magazine captioned a picture of Dewey, the new president. The Chicago Tribune newspaper already had the headline printed, Dewey defeats Truman. On election night, Dewey stayed up late working on his acceptance speech. Truman spent the night in Excelsior Springs, Missouri. Reports said he ate a ham sandwich, drank a glass of milk, went to bed, convinced he had lost. Both Dewey thought he had won, Truman thought he had lost, and the whole world thought it was done. They went to bed, it was over. The next day, they're going to announce Dewey as the new president. But not only were Dewey and Truman wrong, the whole world was wrong. They were so wrong that I found this picture on, you might have seen this before. This is President Harry Truman holding up the Chicago Daily Tribune newspaper that had already printed the night before, Dewey defeats Trump. And he's just laughing. He's just laughing. Leave that up if you don't mind. Because you know what I picture? I picture the devil went to bed last night and thought, I got him right where I want him. The McKinney's will never get through this one. Tanya will never overcome this diagnosis. Valera will never get over the death of her husband. 
Oh, it's over. It's all gone. And everything you've been believing for, that child, they ain't saved. They ain't even in church. It's over. And he's gone to bed laughing. But I want to tell you, you're about to rise up in your graveyard and hold up that newspaper the devil said and say, ha, 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 ha. I got the last laugh, Joker, because God's on my side and it ain't over. You can print it in your newspaper. You can shout it in my ears if you want. But God ain't done with me yet. And it ain't impossible. All things are possible to whom who believes. Somebody shout glory. Yeah.